Flavor Odyssey is brought to you by Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars, and Smokin' Cigars, voted number one in selection and customer service. A Flavor Odyssey. And now from Cigar Dojo Studio Lot B, your hosts, Robbie Rass and Randy Griggs. Odyssey continues. What's up, Dojo Nation? Welcome to another episode of Flavor Odyssey. I'm your host, Robbie Raz. Here's our co-host, Randy Griggs, coming to you live from Lot B and Lot B minus out here in Randy. Very, very post-apocalyptic, smoky and orange uh, California, Randy, how are you doing today? How's the weather? How's the, how's the air quality over near you? You know, it's, it's funny. Uh, after five weeks of Northern California being on fire, uh, this is like one of the least smoky days. And yet I have seen over 50 people use apocalyptic as a descriptor for this eerie orange hue that the world has turned on us today. Uh, so, but, uh, but outside of that, and a fine layer of ash in my backyard, uh, things are well. Yeah, it's uh, the the it's just weird. I guess there's a marine layer that's holding all the smoke up, but the light in, or something to that effect. It <laughs> is. It's. But it, it makes for a strange, strange morning when you wake up and the only thing you see coming in through your window is a dull orange light. It was just <laughs> very. It's 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 odd. Uh, but you're right. There's ash everywhere. Um, but uh, <clears throat> that's not from smoking cigars, unfortunately, uh, but hopefully we will uh, spread a little of our own ash during the show today. Thanks to everyone tuning in live on Facebook. Go ahead and hit that share button for us. You know how much we appreciate. Randy gets really excited every time somebody shares the show, um, and uh, we appreciate you all doing that. Thanks to everybody who's tuning in on podcast. We appreciate you all as well. Give us a review, thumbs up, uh, five star, whatever it is. You guys know the drill. Um, it's funny, there's like, there's been a handful of people, Randy, like maybe one or two who two of them didn't like me and one of them didn't like you and left us terrible reviews. We actually know where they live. Well, that's what I really like about creepy, technology right? these days is we can actually find your addresses. So yeah. if, if you think that I'm above being petty <laughs> and like hunting you down, you don't He's know not. me well. <laughs> no, we're not threatening our guests. I'm just being silly. But, uh, no, we appreciate everybody who's tuning in on podcast. We're here, Randy. We're kicking off Habano. We are more than halfway through season two. When did that happen? Holy crap, it's gone by fast. We've gone through um, Connecticut Shade. We've gone through... Corojo. Corojo, thank you. And we've gone through uh, Ecuadorian Sumatra, which is the leaf that I really pushed for. It was the final cut, and I missed half the episodes. 
<laughs> what is that about? That's just terrible. But I don't think I'm missing any more episodes. So I will be here. You guys are stuck with me moving forward. So we're moving into Habano. We're smoking a fantastic cigar tonight. Uh, we're all drinking. Uh, maybe we're all over the map, I think, as far as uh, scotch is concerned. But we'll get there in a minute. Boys, Colorado. There's some fires out in Colorado, too. How's everything going out there? So it's crazy. crazy. Robbie, the other day, uh, this was Monday. We're having a little Labor Day thing at, the, at my house. 95 and degrees. It's 95 degrees. We're hanging out. And the, just, the cold front came in, and within an hour or two, it was 70, and then we woke up with six inches of snow. And <laughs> I'm not kidding. And now we're... You guys went from 95 to snow? To yeah. six inches of snow. In a few hours. But the good, the good news is uh, one of the b- big, major, major fires that was just right around Fort Collins area... Uh, it was it was in our top fires of all time in Colorado. It um, it got a ton of snow, and so that that's that's a good thing. So that's fantastic. Yeah, we'll take yeah. we'll take the snow just just for that. That's one of the things that uh, Colorado and California have in common is the wildfires. We we, we are on fire. It's it's a yearly thing, and uh, you know it's unfortunate, but uh, that's really good news to hear that uh, that that snow came down. We could use some snowpack out here, frankly, but. Uh, I don't know what we would do if it snowed. Everybody freaks out when it rains. What would people do if it snowed? Rains? <laughs> we would just we we'd be all stuck in our house. Oh wait. Um, <laughs> so everything's good out in Colorado. That's Jordan. You didn't say anything. Did you guys notice that uh, Sensei's wearing a hat? Yeah, I I did. I because of I, the way I that you got the screen set up, I had to open Facebook on another screen. Oh, it's like a it's like that. a minute and a half delay, but. I didn't even know who that guy in the white hat is. Does that say Viaje de, oh. de Grigstar? Oh, yeah, is, no. Is, is, is... <laughs> El Origen. Uh, but my hair was so crazy that I said, you know what? I got I to gotta put on a hat. Every just... time you wear a hat, I have to make my hair look really nice, and I can slowly work my way up until people say, that guy looks better than that old guy. <laughs> I, I, That's my I, game Eric, plan. Eric, I'll say this. Your hair may be white, but you have it all. That's true, mm. yeah. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll trade you. I noticed that <laughs> I noticed that nowadays there's a lot more salt than there is pepper, which is kind of that's, a drag. That's that's all right. That's just you're distinguished. Like, yeah. I mean, now it's time for you to write a book. And and that's Ooh. it's perfect timing for the show because I we've got this Lagavulin Scotch. I am not typically a Scotch guy, but uh, our good buddy Heavy Metal Wicks and Steve Walker brought this to us at the virtual version of the Rocky Mountain uh, Cigar Fest. So we're Firing that up tonight. So, hey, here we are. You know what? It's distinguished guy drinking scotch. Pinky's out. David up. David up nice. late hour. I'm ready to roll. Beautiful. Lagavulin, which, uh, what version is it? What year is it? I can't see your bottle. 16. Oh, the Lag 16. That's, 16. ooh, that's smoky, baby. 16. Smoky, Very smoky. smoky. That is fantastic. Well, we have a guest. We've kind of buried the lead here a little bit. We've just mm-hmm. been going on and on for about 10 minutes about nothing. When we have... A very distinguished guest here with us tonight, Klaus Kellner, Davidoff Cigars, is here to talk with us about the late hour, about Habano in general. Klaus, thank you for joining. Really appreciate you having on the show. It's my pleasure, Rob. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, everybody at Cigar Dojo, for having me on. I always have a lot of fun with you guys. I never really know what to expect, but... I always take the punches, and I have a lot of fun. So. <laughs> we, we we keep you on your on your toes. I, I, we promise no punches tonight, though. This is uh, we're smoking 
smoking cigars and drinking scotch. There's there's nothing bad about this. I mean, maybe if you were drinking too much scotch, punches start getting thrown. I don't know. Well, Randy seen, gets Randy gets aggressive. If you see my selection here, I don't know even where to start, but oh. it doesn't go that, get that crazy. All right, walk us walk us through the selection. If you're gonna, I can't. It's off screen, so walk us through what uh, a, a scotch selection. By the way, I came with one bottle. I had three bottles that I picked out. My wife said, "No, don't do three bottles because you know there's dinner after this, and she doesn't want me to get sloppy." Even though I never get sloppy on the show. I mean, you guys have been watching this for a year and a half. 150% of you know I never get sloppy. But you've got a selection. I want to see what you got. Well, I didn't know where to start. And when we, when you guys first pitched me the show, we were like, maybe, oh, it might be bourbon, it might be scotch. And then we decided it was, was scotch. And um, I have home several, several spirits that I enjoy. But I decided to go with two that I've been really uh, partnering up with, doing events with these two particular brands. And... They work very well with a lot of the cigars that we have, especially in the profile of late hour range. And I, just, I wanted to bring a couple of these. So we've been working a lot with the Dalmore. Uh, yeah. Some very uh, special events with our last limited edition that we released, which was the Special 53. And we did a lot of focus on the Dalmore and here I'm showing it, which is the Cigar Malt with the red band. So it's called the Cigar Malt. Uh, and Richard Patterson actually really made this expression because he enjoys cigars. Um, <clears throat> It's, we'll get into it a little bit, but it has a particular taste that sometimes doesn't go with particular cigars, but we'll get into the pairing. Uh, out of the Dalmore, I also have with me the 18, which comes with the blue band, the 18 years, and it's actually my favorite uh, out of the Dalmore. Uh, it's a little bit more subtle, I, I believe, a little bit more woody in the back of the palate. And we've also been partnering up with Aberfeldy. We've been doing a lot of great cocktail events with Aberfeldy. So it's a little bit more relaxed, I think, of a whiskey. Um, and definitely something that I can, I know it won't get sloppy if I enjoy this. This, this I can do all the time. Um, so I have, I have this selection. I also did bring from the Dalmore family, Jura, which is actually one of my best, best favorites, 10 years. And Jura uh, is probably one that I drink quite often. And mm. I don't know where to start. I have four glasses here and I have one cigar. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's a really great lineup. I haven't, uh, I've, I've experienced a fair amount of scotch, did a quick uh, trip uh, up to Scotland with my wife, found out after the trip that my grandfather on my mother's side was from Edinburgh. I had no idea. And we spent all of our time in Edinburgh. Had I known at the time, I would have, you know, I don't know what I would have done, but. Pictures. Oh. I would have felt a little more at home. Maybe maybe that's it. I don't know. But um, <clears throat> I love scotch. Uh, the Jura is a, a line that I've experienced quite a bit. Jura is an island, I think, if uh, if memory serves. Um, but I may be totally wrong there. Uh, and the Aberfeldy line, fantastic stuff. Really, really good stuff. I haven't had much of the Dalmore. I've tried a couple, um, but I haven't uh, haven't had a ton. But those that sounds like a really good lineup. Uh, Randy, what are you drinking tonight? I have here a bottle that was gifted from me, uh, gifted to me, pardon me, from the uh, warehouse manager at uh, my brewery. I, I bring cigars to work and uh, try and uh, educate some of my coworkers on on the brilliance of premium nice. tobacco. And as a thank you, I was brought this Balvenie Caribbean cask. So it was apparently aged in uh, rum barrels for 14 years, uh, but it is a it is a proper Scottish single malt whiskey. Yeah, Balvenie's good stuff. That's a that's a good bottle there. Um, I was I, my mother-in-law gave me a bottle of that for Christmas one year. 
It's, uh, I'm it's enjoying it quite a bit. It is not over the top smoky at all. It's not peated. Let's... That's why it's not smoky ah, at all. There you go. <laughs> Rand, we're gonna by the end of this season, Randy. I'm gonna make sure that we have scotch with every every uh, wrapper we do from here on out because I don't want you to refer to scotch as oh, is that the smoky one? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you you did it in writing, so I kind of have to keep kind of needling you about it. And yes, a lot of scotch can be smoky. Um, but that's in, uh, that's from the peat when it's peat fired peat. If you've ever been to, uh, Scotland or Ireland is, uh, it's basically like decomposed plant matter that is used as firewood in essence. And it has a lovely smell. Um, but it also kind of smells like burnt tires. So it's, you kind of have to be in the mood for that thing. Uh, speaking of burnt tires, how's that, uh, Lagavulin, uh, 16 treating you? Uh, you know, I'm just starting to get into it. I'm not a huge scotch guy. I'm like mainly a bourbon kind of guy, but it's very, very smoky. Mm-hmm. Very, very oaky. Very smoky. And the proof is only 86. Yeah. And it's a little, uh, it's a little, little thin. Low. It's a little thin, but it's, hey, I'm, you know, with this cigar so far, I, I'm not going to. The cigar you know, is definitely improving. Obviously, I'm not, thr- I'm not going to give out my rating now or my, my judgment, but <laughs> I can just say of that the, the beginning of this is excellent. Like the, this combination so far, right off the top, excellent. Well, Lagavulin uh, is uh, an Islay whiskey, and it is very, very smoky, heavily peated. Um, the 16 is kind of their standard release. A fantastic bottle. I really enjoy it. Um, I was able to pick up a bottle of, I think it's a, a Lagavulin 9. It's like a UK release. It's a very, very nice bottle, too. Super smooth. It's smoky, uh, but uh, that's part of the charm for me. I never really was, I never got into, or I guess the way I got into smoky or peated scotch, uh, Laphroaig 10 is kind of your your quintessential smoked peated uh, scotch. And my wife bought a bottle of this for me. Um, Without me asking, she just came home one day and said, oh, I heard this was really good, so I got this for you. And I said, oh, hey, that's awesome. And we were watching a movie, and I opened it up, and I could smell it from across the room. Like, what the hell is this? I mean, it really does. It smells like a campfire with burning tires right next to it. It's what it smells like. And I, I poured myself, you know, a good three-finger pour because we were watching a movie. It was a Friday night. And I'm, I'm taking tiny, tiny little sips of this stuff. It was, I was working my way through it. It's like, oh, yeah, this is great. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. <laughs> But my wife got it for me as a gift, and I wanted to make sure she kept doing stuff like this moving forward. Sometimes the bottles are going to be better than others, so I would keep drinking it. And by the time I had like my third or fourth glass, I thought, not the same night, by the way, uh, <laughs> I thought, uh, well, I kind of like this stuff. And then I found myself reaching for it, and then I've just kind of explored the whole world of, of peated scotch. And uh, Yeah, I think is, most uh, of the, uh, the best things in life, you start out by hating them. Mm. Yeah, like Randy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. I, oh, no, I never hated you, man. That was just too perfect. It, it would have been better. Cigars now, please. <laughs> you should have said it about me. That would have been better. Um, I am going with uh, McAllen uh, Classic Cut, and mm. this bottle um, ended up at my house from a Christmas party uh, from a friend of mine, and it's a limited edition, 2017. It is a very it's a Highland Scotch. It's um, cask strength, so it checks in at about uh, it's 58.4 percent. So it's uh, it's got a kick to it. It is uh, working nicely. Uh, it's finished in a sherry cask. You could finish anything in a sherry cask, and I'm going to be excited to drink it. That might not be true, but uh, close enough. Um, so that's what I'm going with. 
So maybe let's start talking about the cigar. Let's start talking about the cigar. Let's get into indeed. it. Klaus, so, what, what can you tell us about this fabulous stick you're smoking today? Well, as everybody knows, this was Randy's first cigar. Really? That's a, that's a fact. I, um, in, in September of 2017, purchased one of these cigars. I smoked it in November of 2017, and now I am the co-host of a cigar show. As a, <laughs> as a, <laughs> that's how low the bar is. I mean, I literally draw that directive a lot. Right. <laughs> it's well, what you need to know about Randy Kloss, and I, yes. I this is I, I know who you are. This is the first time that we've actually had a conversation, and I don't know if you've been able to chat with Randy at all. But Randy is one of those guys that he does not dip his toe into the pool. He <laughs> dives head first, fully clothed into the deep end of the pool and will not come up until he's kind of checked out the bottom of the pool, knows who made it. Who made the filtration system? He tests the pH in the water, all this stuff. So he is, he's not your average guy who started smoking three years ago. He's your average guy who started smoking maybe 15 years ago, but he concentrated it into three years. <laughs> Five years per year. That, you know. Yeah, he's, he's, he's an intense guy. So tell us a bit, uh, Klaus, about this late hour. It's a fantastic smoke. I really enjoy it. It was not my first cigar, but, uh, <laughs> I, I think, Randy, you gave me the first uh, late hour that I smoked. We oh, smoked together, I think. And um, this is uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal blend. Uh, tell us a bit about it, and then we'll get into Habano in general. Yeah, but it's, in, it's interesting that it was Randy's first cigar, especially when uh, I get asked, every, I mean, it's almost on a daily basis, I get asked through Instagram. I'm one of the people that manage the Davros Cigars Instagram page. We have over 90,000 followers there. And almost on a daily basis, I get asked, What's the first cigar you're gonna have? Uh, if I'm I'm, an, I'm a beginner, uh, I'm new to this, I want to learn. And normally I point them almost in the complete opposite of something that would be late hour because I point them. I think about okay, they're new. They I don't want a cigar to really uh, blow them away. Maybe it's a big cigar might be too much, so I go for smaller cigars, smaller ring gauges. And I normally point them in the in the way of like a signature line, Grand Cru line, smaller cigar, lighter, smoother, creamier, and I tell them, I always tell them that after I say the recommendation says, if it's too soft, then you can go up to this because I don't want either first experience to be a punch in the face. But normally sometimes we'll say, oh, well, this is not what I was expecting. Maybe I was thinking something more powerful or if they had an experience around cigars where they've been around friends that enjoy cigars and they smell the aroma and they say, wow, that's a very particular smell. And our softer cigars are very smooth, even in, in aroma. So some people are like, well, I need a little bit more. And I don't normally point them in the late hour direction until they have had a couple of experiences with cigars. Because the late hour is, uh, in general, one of our stronger cigars that we have, uh, one of our stronger lines, more intense lines. In particular, I'm, it comes in really three shapes, but I'm enjoying the Churchill size, mm -hmm. which is a uh, 48 rain gauge by seven inches. And in this longer ring gauge is not as intense, it's not as pronounced, it's a little bit smoother, but maintains a lot of the same characteristics of the others. And it's a little bit more enjoyable, I think, it's a little bit more relaxed, but still has that flavor profile, that strength and aroma that we're looking for, especially when we're going to be matching it up with scotches or when we're going to be matching it up with peated scotches, because peated, peated can definitely sometimes overpower your cigar. So I'm glad that they're having peated and we didn't pick a very light cigar. We picked something that was a little stronger. 
but the Winston Churchill line is one of the latest lines that Davidoff has produced. In 2017, we launched the Late Hour, and it is a pretty complex cigar. And when I say complex, I'm not joking because for me, complexity is a good blend that has a lot of different types of tobaccos that have the ability to really create layers of flavors in your palate. And this cigar in particular, this whole lineup has seven tobaccos inside. And seven is, is not normal. Normally the average is about five. In the last couple of years, people have started putting six tobaccos in a cigar, but this one has seven, uh, five fillers from two different countries. You have two uh, Dominican tobacco, uh, two Nicaraguan tobaccos in the filler, three, uh, three Dominican, so sorry, two Nicaraguan, two Nicaraguan in the filler, three Dominican in the filler, and then you have a binder that is Mexican, and then you have a wrapper that is Ecuador. So there's four countries, seven types of tobacco, and that is not very normal in the cigar world. And they, all these tobaccos from a lot of, all over the world will definitely be bringing a lot of flavors and aromas into your palate. And if you compare it to our Winston Churchill line, the original collection, that's the Winston Churchill that has the white band, it comes in a white box. Um, this one basically has the same blend, uh, but it is much smoother because we use tobaccos from the bottom of the plant. Where the late hour, we actually use tobaccos from the top of the plant. And this creates a lot more intense flavors and aromas. So the blends are, are really this, are very similar, not exactly the same, but you're just going with late hour is just higher primings? There's one other difference. That's the key difference. And the I binder. Want, no, it's not the binder. Really? It's um, actually the, the blends the are process. basically the same, but there's one tobacco in the late hour that we age in a whiskey barrel mm. for six months. So you're going to get more intensity from the blend because it is also higher up in the plant. But the Condega tobacco from Nicaragua, we age it in a whiskey barrel for six months. We are rotating it every month, uh, like if it was like a fermentation process. And the tobacco uh, heats up inside. It creates a sort of fermentation process. But every month we're rotating it, putting it in a another barrel uh, so that we can basically put this tobacco in a total of about six, five barrels in its whole cycle of aging inside the barrel. And the tobacco of Condega is going to absorb a lot of that woodiness characteristics. It's going to uh, increase its intensity. It's going to become spicier and sweeter. And you're going to get those uh, hints of, of, of sweet and spice from that barrel in this cigar. Yeah, what you said, uh, you referenced uh, layers of flavor. And while you're doing that, I'm kind of puffing on the cigar. And I'm, I'm feeling all these flavors that are hitting my palate. And I'm, I'm retrohaling. And there's, there's so many levels of sweet spice. There's an earthy characteristic in there. The black pepper on the retro is lovely. The retrohale on this cigar is fantastic. And if you're not retrohaling your cigars, I'm looking directly in the camera. I rarely ever do this. If you're not <laughs> retrohaling your cigars, I hate you're doing you. it wrong. Yeah, you, I, don't, I don't hate you, Jordan. That's a little... That's a little <laughs> All right, loosen, let's loosen up the skinny jeans. It's not, we don't hate you. It's just, I, you're, you're missing out on a ton. It's like, you know, plug your nose while you're eating your steak. It's just not going to get it done. There's so much flavor in this cigar. It's so rich. It's so complex. But it is, there's, there's something to be said about saying, and we'll go back to Randy, and this is the first time, the first cigar you had was this. Like, I couldn't even imagine if this was the first cigar I smoked, how much I would want to smoke another cigar right away. Like, this is, I can totally understand why you jumped in head first into, uh, into cigars after smoking this first. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. And, and Klaus, what you said is, uh, you know, you see that echoed throughout, uh, you know, well thought out plans of trying to introduce people to the flavors of a premium tobacco. Um, I have I have grown uh, as I was kind of mentioning when I when I was talking about the um, the scotch, I introduce a lot of my friends in the beer industry to cigars in general, and I find that most of my friends lean towards more full bodied. Uh, Maduro's stronger, you know, more f- flavor forward cigars. I, I you know, and, and another thing, Klaus, you know, I'm a big coffee guy. I roast my own coffee. Uh, I, I believe that, you know, you can develop your palate for stronger flavors uh, just throughout, you know, a myriad of different uh, experiences. And so for me, I had developed uh, a, a liking for those stronger flavors via coffee, via beer, uh, you, you know, those different things. And so, um, for me, I've very much gone backwards. I went from this cigar into straight into smoking exclusively Maduros, and it's only been over the last year, 18 months since I've known these guys. And uh, you know, Eric has preached to me the the wonders of the nuances of uh, lighter shade cigars, you know, lighter flavored cigars that uh, are still very flavorful and complex, but without having to be so um, you know prominent in, in flavor. But uh, but you know the I, I do. I honestly do give this cigar so much credit as uh, piquing my interest to really want to, you know, seek out more information and, and more different cigars that that had these flavors. And I I, I didn't realize it, it. So it's really just one of the seven cigars that's barrel aged. Yeah, one of the tobaccos. Okay. Um, so I'll give you an example. I've done uh, myself. I've done uh, tests where. I make a cigar of only Condega tobacco, so just a straight puro of one type of tobacco. And then we take a couple leaves from the barrel, and this tobacco has been in there for, the last time I did it was with one that had only been in the barrel only for two months. So not even all the the complete six months. And we did a cigar of only Condega from the barrel that was uh, two months old in the barrel aged. And you have them side by side. And the Condega tends to be uh, a stimulation that is very woody in the center of your palate. It's actually a very balanced tobacco all on its own. I I think Condega is a great tobacco to blend cigars with. Uh, But the stark difference from uh, going from not barrel aged to 100% cigar barrel aged that was Condega, uh, the spice and the sweetness, like, was immense and if you make a cigar that is a hundred percent with uh, the barrel aging and all the leaves inside it might be too overpowering for sure some so that is why there's only one leaf it's really about 20 percent of the total blend inside that uh, basically was barrel aged and if you had the whole cigar barrel aged, it might blow your palate sure no it makes sense you know it would be really cool and this might be something that you all do uh you know on tours or whatever but if, if there was a way for someone to buy this cigar and then get one of those Piritos with, mm-hmm. that's, that's not barrel-aged, and then one that's barrel-aged for two months and one four or maybe like three months and six months, just to taste the difference and kind of taste that progression of flavor influence of that barrel, that would be such a cool experience. Yeah. Do you guys do anything like that? We would have to buy a lot more barrels for that. <laughs> oh, I guess that's, that's, that's not an easy thing. I mean, from my, from where I'm sitting, it's yeah, easy. Just do it. Yeah, it's I, I don't have to deal with the logistics. But the the to to be able to like that's just a really interesting way for people to to taste. Like I've done tastings where you break down each leaf and and you taste it that way, and and that's super enlightening. But the barrel aging process, I think some folks 
who, who might not really understand what's happening might think of it as kind of a gimmick. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And, and, and to be able to taste that would be, would be super cool and, and really explain to them, hey, this is not a gimmick. Mm-hmm. Like when you, when you age something in the barrel, you age, I mean, it's, it, it, you could say that about scotch, you could say it about beer, you could say it about you know, anything that you would age in a barrel, really. But mm-hmm. uh, you get so many different flavor components and so much uh, in, intensified flavor, concentrated flavor, I guess you could say, uh, from that barrel, just thinking out loud. I mean, yeah, you, you're absolutely correct. It would be a very interesting experiment. And really, you just have to put it in these terms. Tobacco leaves have the ability to absorb aromas. And that's why when you put a, a, a cigar in a tube that has cedar uh, and you just leave that cigar in a box with that cedar in there, like the cigar will taste different over a cigar that was never next to some cedar. And that's why we try to, in the factory, we don't have paint that, that smells, that has aromas. We don't have uh, workers in the factory when they're dealing with tobacco, they're not allowed to have ointments, perfumes, because all these aromas could attach to the leaf and it could be very bad. And and the only case where you have something that we're actually basically like attaching an aroma to the t- tobacco is absorbing this is in that barrel instance. And that's why when aging your cigars, also make sure your humidor doesn't have anything weird inside that has, um, <laughs> an aroma, you know, whether it be a flavored cigar or anything else, you know. So be very mindful because cigars can get ruined if you put it next to something that has an aroma or it can be enhanced if done well, like in the barrel process. Hey, uh, Klaus, I have a quick question. Um, With the barrel aging process with this tobacco, is the main goal, um, and this is like a two-part question, but is the main goal getting the, the flavor that was in the barrel or is the main goal getting that sort of second fermentation like what's the what's the main goal in doing that with this tobacco and then i have a follow-up depending on how you answer Uh, definitely the main goal is getting the aroma and the flavor uh the fermentation is almost like something that uh, when we we started doing these experiments first and the first time we actually launched a cigar that was barrel aged was not in davroff was in camacho Mm. with the american barrel age and that one was a bourbon cask, not whiskey. And we realized very quickly that the temperature inside the barrel uh, spikes up. And basically, we, in our experience, was like, wait, this is like a fermentation process. And we just have to be very careful because if the tobacco heats up too much. You could, in essence, what we call it, cook it. And you could really lose a lot of the aspects that you're looking for of smoothness in, in a tobacco because it can get very harsh if you bring up the temperature too high. So we adapted and we learned that this fermentation process can be very uh, dangerous if you're not careful during barrel aging. All right. So then, then my follow-up question is relevant. Um, if that's the case, then do you get uh, fresh barrels all the time or do you just recondition the barrels that you have? How do you you know, keep that, fl- that same flavor over time, over months, you know, for each tobacco that you put in there? As of right now, in three years, uh, a little bit over three years, actually, uh, like four, almost five years, um, uh, we haven't had to replace the barrels. So right now we are okay, and I wonder if at some point we will have to replace the barrel or if we're just going to have to keep the tobacco in there longer or something. Uh, We have always done six months because six months is... It's, I don't know, it's a good number, it's a good even number, you know? <laughs> uh, but in my opinion, it doesn't need six months inside, you know, in my opinion, do it in less because when you taste it after two months, you're like, wow, like this is already pretty powerful. Do you guys but, use uh, varying barrels, scotch barrels, or is it like 
you use a certain uh, brand, that kind of thing? There's one uh, barrel that we use. Um, I can't tell you what company it is. Uh, it was actually, but it's, it's from a very small production. So it's not like one of these major brands that you know. So even if I mentioned that, you might you, you might not even know it. So. Well, it's really interesting, you know, uh, as, as Rob was talking about, and Rob and I both work in the beer industry now. Um, but as we, t we talk about barrels, you know, whether you're talking about wine and spirits or in beer, you do, they become what we refer to as neutral in, in flavor after Eventually, uh, yeah. a, a, after multiple uses. It's interesting to think that by putting the tobacco leaves in there, you're not getting that saturation where oh. so much of, of the flavor is being drawn out as you would with liquid. So yeah. I, I, I think it kind of makes sense that um, you'd get more runs out of them uh, for, with tobacco as um, it, it might be somewhat uh, lighter extraction than if the liquid were, you know, seeping into the pores and drawing it out a little sure. heavier extraction. Yeah, and all we do really is we make sure that the tobacco is uh, is humidified before it goes in there, so that kind of creates this um, fermentation process. Right. Uh, so in any process, you have to humidify leaves when you're going to be doing fermentation. You know, aging is probably one of the few that you don't want a lot of humidity. But uh, in most of these processes where you're sorting, quality control, uh, fermentation, you have a little bit of humidity. So really this humid tobacco has the ability to absorb this aroma. But it, like exactly like you're saying, it might be because of that, because it's not a liquid really seeping into the wood, mm -hmm. taking away the aromas. Right. It's, it's the tobacco is not going to impart any flavor into the wood like a beer may or right, right. You know, whatever it is. Um, and Klaus, I appreciate the honesty of uh, we picked six months because it sounds good. And <laughs> we might not need to do six months. But but as a consumer, you look at something and say, well, it's in there for six, in there for two months. Ah, that's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's just because you don't I mean, I, I don't understand the process really of I mean, I could speak maybe a little bit more about the process with a beer in there. Randy could speak more about it than I could. But, um, you know, with it's just interesting to hear you say that, you know, it could only be two months. Doesn't really have to be six. Um, so in the Davidoff overall portfolio. You referenced uh, Camacho. There's the I know there's a couple of different Camacho uh, barrel aged. Is what else? What else do you all uh, use barrels for? Well, the, really only in Davidoff and Camacho. In Davidoff, we only have the late hour that has the whiskey barrel. But in Camacho, we have uh, one that is in a bourbon barrel, and then we have one that is in a rum barrel. Mm. So, we have been able to experiment with different kinds of barrels. The bourbon and the whiskey are actually done in Dominican Republic, and the rum barrel one is done in Honduras. Right. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. So. Interesting. And then there's one I, I with imagine. beer too. Don't forget about that one. The all right. So, so if we if we may, let's let's get into Habano a little bit. Well, because, before you uh, get there, Randy, why don't you? Okay, it's we're halfway through. Do your uh, oh. do your commercial break, and then we'll get into okay. the Habano leaf. Oh, well, <laughs> that being said, yeah, I, I mean, should, Randy, should you should, uh, you're, you're totally prepared for this. So as, as, as Randy kind of, uh, gets, uh, gets well, ready this... to do, uh, these ads here, um, I want to do like a quick, like pairing check-in everything and mainly with Klaus, because I see, I think this is probably the second, maybe third different whiskey that you've tasted. That's the second one. Okay. And so, so far, you've gone through two of the Dalmore, I think. Uh, I did Aberfeldy and I did Jura. Oh, look at that. I totally guessed wrong. <laughs> so how did the, Jura, I think Jura is really, really interesting. There's a certain brininess that I get from some of their blends 
um, I, a, a friend of ours went and visited their, uh, their distillery and brought back like, it was like a tasting of 10 small bottles. And, and we my wife and I tasted it. We like to do this kind of thing. We tasted our way through and it was, it went from, you know, like lighter intensity, obviously to heavier intensity, but th I, there was a consistent brininess through there. And I'm wondering based on the kind of earthy and sweet, are you picking up any of that briny character out of there? And is that impacting the, the, the pairing at all? So I, I actually picked Aberfeldy to start with because I knew it was probably going to be the lighter one out of, out of the four. Um, and it, for me, the Aberfeldy was, we do, we use this one a lot for cocktails and it works excellent. And it has a, a, a nice uh, slight spice and a lot of sweetness. It's very frontal flavor. It's not overpowering. But in, in any case, uh, for this cigar in particular, I'm looking for something a little bit more powerful in the back. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, this one has a lot of uh, wooden notes, a lot of chocolate notes, the cigar. And I want something that can match those notes in the back. And this one was almost like a complete opposite, where it was very sweet, very, very uh, light spice. And I think it's needing a little bit more to match up with this one. I would definitely match the Aberfeldy with the original collection, the white band, Winston Churchill. The Jura has a little bit more towards the back, that brightness. Uh, is definitely helping with that woodiness that I feel from the cigar and is matching a lot more. I feel like the Jura is a little bit more even across the palate. So yeah. uh, it's it's not as front forward as the uh, Rafaldi in the front of the palate. So I think it matches a little bit better. But I'm going to see how we move on to the, the next two and, and see if I, maybe one of these is a little bit more woody and it matches a little bit more for what I'm looking for. Awesome. Yeah, that that Aberfeldy, it's Aberfeldy 12, I think that you have, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's super approachable, which mm -hmm. can sound like a negative thing. And you say that about a cigar. Oh, it's really approachable. That doesn't mean it doesn't have a ton of flavor. It's yeah. a very good scotch, but I could see that getting run over a little bit. I was just curious about the Jura. All right, Randy, tell us about uh, our sponsors today. Uh, so we are smoking the Davidoff Winston Churchill Late Hour, sponsored by Smoke In. All of the cigars smoked on Flavor Odyssey are provided by Smoke In. They do a fantastic job and are one of our favorite online retailers. Our primary show sponsor is Drew Estate. And we at Flavor Odyssey are happy to be presented by Drew Estate. Drew Estate has cigars for every kind of cigar smoker, whether it is something sweet for the heat like Deadwood Sweet Jane, something refined and Cubanesque like Herrera Esteli, or something to celebrate the special occasions in life like Liga Privada. Drew Estate has you covered. You can find Drew Estate anywhere cigars are sold. Head to drewestate.com forward slash store locator to find the shop nearest you. And Rob, experience the rebirth of cigars. Randy, you're so good at that. I'm telling you, you need to, do, <laughs> you need to read audiobooks. There's money there, man. All you have to do is you have to sit in a room and read a book. That's it. I think you've got. I like to read. I will say. And, I, and I, let's let's get something with like a uh, with a, a Spanish feel to it. Mm. You can you can influx in on there a little bit. Maybe some flamenco or something. I don't know. It's very I sexy. Like. I think I it's. Like. I, I think you. We got to add this to your portfolio. Get it on your LinkedIn page and, and get <laughs> you squared away. That's uh, that, very very well done. Uh, we're I, I I'm being silly, but uh, we're we're very thrilled to have Drew Estate. Uh, behind us uh, with what we're doing. So, Klaus, let's talk a bit. I know Randy's got some very specific questions. Let's start yeah. talking about Habano because that's what we're here. We've got this. So to give you a background, maybe someone who is listening to our show for the first time, uh, if you are, welcome. Uh, what took you so long? Um, but uh, 
So this season, Randy and I are kind of going through, we're going through six different rappers and we're trying to find the perfect pairing uh, for that particular rapper. So we're just getting started with Habano. We probably should have done Habano first because it's like Habano is it's, it's the thing. <laughs> it's it is, the it rapper. Like, it's everywhere. Yeah, like, how, how, do, how, how is this our fourth rapper? Well, we wanted to kind of, you know, pick up some steam before we got into this one. Uh, these cigars are fantastic. This wrapper is amazing. It comes from a bunch of different places. This is Ecuadorian Habano, which I happen to love. I love Ecuadorian wrappers, really. There's something special happening in Ecuador. And maybe you can talk a, a little bit about that before we jump in uh, to Habano in general. But what is it about Ecuador that gives us these phenomenal wrappers? To, uh, to, it, phenomenal for you to work with and pair with and, and, and make your... Uh, uh, to blend with and for us to just enjoy. What What is it about Ecuador? Well, we work, uh, there's a couple families in the industry, and I sometimes call them the unsung heroes that um, grow tobacco in different places. And in Ecuador in particular, we work a lot with the David, with the David Paris, the Paris family. And uh, he has uh, what I would call almost like a little bit of an empire down there. I've done a couple trips down there and uh, just to imagine, uh, you've been to my farm. Some some of you guys have been to my farm, and it's it's a smaller farm. You can cross it in in, in a car in probably in 10 minutes, and you're good. Um, there's of course some farms a little bigger, but we were talking about these wrapper farms that are big productions for the entire industry, not just the premium side of the industry. You get in a car and you can drive for hours and you can get to the top of a hill or a mountain and you see just tobacco and then behind the following mountain there's still more tobacco so it takes a couple of days to go see all that it's, it's it's pretty impressive the the quantity uh, that they have and also the quality of output that they can have but in ecuador you have something very interesting that is the weather that works in favor for wrapper growing sometimes we joke that uh, the, of course, part of the marketing is that we make cigars that are complex of character, like Sir Winston Churchill himself. And we sometimes say, well, we have the fiery nature of Nicaragua in this cigar that was, Winston Churchill had to be strong at different moments of his life. And sometimes I joke that we have the cloudiness of Ecuador that is the same as the cloudiness <laughs> of the UK. And in, in Ecuador, you have over 300 days of cloud coverage where we're growing the tobacco in particular. So it's about uh, four hours out from Guayaquil, somewhere in between Quito and, and Guayaquil, and it's really at the base of the Andes mountain range. And the cloud coverage there is very, very nice, great climate. And this cloud coverage almost acts like a natural tapado, shade grown, that makes for very nice open structure leaves that are gonna be great for wrapper. They're not gonna be too veiny, they're not gonna be too rough around the edges. And they, it produces great quality, but very beautiful wrappers. And that's one of the things why Davidoff picks Ecuador, because of the beauty of these wrappers. You know, and it's, it's funny about Ecuador. You know, I, I, I love virtually every article I read about Ecuadorian tobacco. Uh, someone references the, the old saying of snap a broom in half, stick the stick in the ground, and pretty soon you'll have a crop of broomsticks. Um, that that it, it, you know, speaking to the to the wealth of of rich um, minerals and ingredients found in the soil, and it's funny to me that we talk so much about Nicaragua with the uh, how many volcanoes and how volcanic the soil is in Nicaragua, where Ecuador equally has 32 active volcanoes. It's also very uh, volcanic rich soil. Uh, 
you know, since you've been down there, I am curious, and obviously, you know, not all regions are the same in Ecuador, but do you find the same, the similarity, you know, we talk so much about Nicaragua as a, as a, as a growing region and the differences between the, the black soil of Esteli versus the red soil of Jalapa and how much that affects it. Do you find that same variation through the different valleys of Ecuador or, or is it a little bit more homogenous in, uh, in the soil makeup? In my personal experience, this, the soil is a little lighter. It's, okay. it's not as strong as the soils that you find in, in Nicaragua. And it might be the region in particular that where I have been to, uh, but, but I, I cannot talk about the whole country as a whole. There's probably some soils that might be very interesting uh, to discover in Ecuador that might have a little bit of a stronger nature. I think that's also why things like Connecticut seed grow so well down there, not only because of the weather, but because the soil is also not too aggressive. Hmm, interesting. But that's my personal experience. I can't really talk about the whole country as a whole. Sure. Yeah, well, I, would, totally uh, I would I would love to, uh, I've never been to Ecuador. And it's, I don't think a lot of cigar smokers really end up there. I mean, you, you go on trips, you go to, to Nicaragua, you go to the Dominican, sorry, my neighbor is doing some sort of construction or something, so if you can hear that, I apologize. But uh, you, uh, you end up going to the factories and, and, and you see this kind of thing. And, it, and those are great experiences, don't get me wrong. But to go to a place like Ecuador, where they're not really producing a ton of cigars down there, they're making, they're, they're miles and miles. And when you say you go up to the top of the mountain, I'm reminded of, Randy, you'll love this, the Lion King. Mm. When when uh, Simba, what was the dad? What was the father's name? Mufasa. Thank you. Mufasa <laughs> says everything the light touches yeah. is ours. Everything the light touches is a wrapper leaf. Like that is <laughs> that's the first thing I thought of when you said that. I'm like, oh my god, I want to go there and see that. Wow, Robbie, just, that's and, good. And just walk through it. It would just be amazing. But these these wrappers, there's just. There's something just beautiful happening in Ecuador. We just did Sumatra, and we talked about Ecuadorian Sumatra. Uh, there's Ecuadorian Connecticut, and they're just they're producing these these amazing wrapper leaves. And and this cigar does a phenomenal job, in my opinion, of highlighting that wrapper leaf. Yes, there's the the barrel age component that we talked about, and that adds some depth to that flavor. But for me, the the flavors that I'm really pulling out of this are really that that it's like that. There's a sweetness. There's a spice that we've talked about. There's a, a, a kind of a, a consistent earthiness to all of it. And it's like everything that I want from a cigar comes from Ecuadorian rappers for some reason. I don't know. It's just, I, it's, it's hard to not be romantic about this kind of stuff. And we're romantic about this entire industry as a whole. But um, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of waxing at this point. But there's, there's something special about what's happening with the rappers there. Now, do you all work with you all work with a ton of habano that's that perhaps doesn't come from uh, from Ecuador, but you you use habano a lot. What is it about habano for you that that just screams to be blended with? So when when you especially you got to look that Davidoff is also a global company, and Davidoff uh, when they moved to Dominican Republic, they kind of shifted. And they started doing blends that was predominantly Dominican tobaccos. Mm -hmm. And in the blend, we were using uh, predominantly, I mean, all, all of the blends inside were Dominican grown. But there was some leaves in there that were Habano, uh, which in this case was the Piloto Cubano. And that's of Habano descent. And uh, But the wrappers that we were using were Connecticut. 
and it was a little lighter. And when we are competing in the market with cigars, especially like in Europe, uh, with cigars that are Cuban, that basically 100% of the tobacco inside there is Habano, um, the profile of taste was very, very different. So when we started branching out into cigars like the Davroff Nicaragua, that has a lot of Habano uh, varietals, uh, and then, of course, jumping into cigars such as the Winston Churchill line that have more Habanos and a lot of our limited editions, too. We are definitely uh, going into this market that provide this flavor profile that is very well liked. If you have to analyze the palate, uh, different types of varieties of tobaccos will stimulate in different areas of your palate. Uh, a lot of Dominican tobaccos, and I'll get into the variety that Dominican tobaccos is, is very frontal flavor, uh, sweet, salty, uh, maybe a little bit of spice. Uh, but what the Habano has is the Habano uh, varietal has a, a very lineal type stimulation. And when I say lineal type stimulation, I mean like you could almost draw a straight line from the tip of your tongue all the way to the back from the, in the center. And it has this stimulation that stimulates the sweet, stimulates the center of your palate, and stimulates the back of your palate. It's very traditional Habano type flavor or stimulation. And you could say that the only thing that the Albano type origin, the traditional Albano type flavor has, the only disadvantage that it has, it doesn't have really a lot going in the sides. So that's why you create blends and you put other tobaccos that are able to stimulate in the sides. But uh, a cigar made 100% with Habano will be sweet and bitter, sweet, woody, sweet, uh, chocolate, sweet, uh, wooden. And in, in that case, it's very appealing to a lot of consumers. And even if you're talking about philosophy and we're talking about Aristotle in this case, Aristotle in, in his time, he was saying that always match the sweet moments or the bitter moments with sweet moments. And it was not only to just your life in general, but it was even to the culinary extent that when you're going to make uh, foods, when you're going to be pairing things, always try to match these things because they complement each other and they work each other out in the palate. So a lot of people like this taste that is sweet and bitter, sweet and bitter. And this is the typical Habano taste. Now we can talk a little bit about the history of tobacco and how Habano came to be, uh, because this is very important. Uh, the tobacco, if we follow history, we know that when Christopher Columbus arrived to uh, the islands and to America, he found tobacco in the islands, but tobacco predates that a lot, a lot, a lot of years before. <laughs> and, and tobacco was actually, uh, it's found, scientists have found that the origin of tobacco is in the Orinoco Basin around the river of the Orinoco in Venezuela. And from there in South America, the tobacco took two routes. Tobacco went up Central America into Mexico and then the Yucatan and then peninsula and then into Cuba. So this is the Habano varietal that went into Cuba through the Central America. And then the variety that went or over the time it changed it went into the islands and then made it into the United States. We call it Virginiense, Virginia type tobacco, which is a lot sweeter, which is a lot lighter in taste. So you have these two main strands of tobacco that one is a little sweeter, a little lighter, and one is a little bit more potent, a little more stronger in taste, which is the Habano. And because it has a lot more flavor in general, it has produces a lot more stimulation. People like this because they're looking for a lot of flavorful uh, impacts when they are enjoying a cigar. Of course, you, that by itself is not enough. That's why we make blends. So, I, Klaus, I think we could do a seven-part series. <laughs> and this is—I'm I'm thinking season three, uh, sponsored by Klaus. 
And you are going to, uh, we're going to take that entire journey from uh, all the way up the, to, through Central America. That'll be the first half. And then we'll take the, the Virginian uh, the, the tour up to the second. That's, that's season. I'm just, just pitching ideas. Klaus. But, uh, oh, sorry. Go I, ahead, Robbie. No, hey, I'm, I'm in the middle of a moment here. You I, I, I thought it was. Skinny jeans. Let's go. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I really appreciate the way that you've kind of described this. But then when, when you talk about that, the, the linear aspect of Habano, like I've never heard it described that way. It's perfect description. To, then you add in that spicy component on the retro hail. It's like, oh, my God, you've come up with the perfect cigar. It's uh, it's it's it really is uh, a, a perfect way to explain it, Jordan. What is it that you wanted to say? I was just <laughs> I was just kind of wondering the relationship between Habano and Criollo and Corojo. Like, is Habano pre Corojo and Criollo? Do they are they related at all? So this is this is the the biggest. You're approaching issue. on season three, Jordan. But go ahead. <laughs> In essence, I've I've talked about two main lineages, right? The Virginia type and the Habano type. And when we're talking about Criollo, and we're talking about all these other varietals that. Uh, you can predominantly find in Central America. And then you start seeing uh, Criollo 98, and then Criollo with another year, and then Criollo with another year. Um, these are normally varieties that uh, they have picked uh, from the Abano lineage that say this year was a particular great year, and we're going to take this seed and we're going to develop it further. Because uh, in the way the seeds and tobacco evolved was really, uh, well, first of all, it was wild and it was kind of just growing wild. But the other way is that as a farmer, you look at your farm and you let's say you have a, a hundred plants of tobacco and uh, you had a good crop, but there was one plant or two plants that just grew a lot more and gave you bigger leaves, gave you uh, a bigger yield. And you say, wow, that, that tobacco was the the uh, the outlier in your crop but it was the good outlier so i'm going to take the seeds from that plant and i'm going to plant it next year now you're not planting the same tobacco that you planted the pre that previous year because you took the outlier and you're basically without wanting to really messing with the genetics of your your crop and uh, you are basically changing the outcome for future crops because now you're going to be receiving uh, the sons of that outlier that was different. And that's how it's changed and evolved over time. Now we go in and we actually do crosses of seeds and we try to find flavors that we're looking for. And we try to find resistance to diseases, yields. And one of the reasons why Abano type has evolved so predominantly and people love it is because the Abano seed is very resistant to many, many diseases. And a, a particular one that is a, a pain in the behind for a lot of people is blue mold. Mm -hmm. And blue mold during very rainy seasons uh, can destroy a crop. And Abano type seeds have a particular resistance to blue mold and a lot of other diseases, but that one in particular. So I'll give you an example. We have a, a, an Abano type wrapper that we created in, in Davidoff that is the 702 line, the 702 wrapper. And that Abano that we created is a hybrid of three types of seeds. There are two Abanos in that mix, and the other 50% is Pelo de Oro, which is uh, typically known for Peru, Peruvian Pelo de Oro. And the reason why we cross the Pelo de Oro with these Abanos is because Pelo de Oro is highly allergic to blue mold. So because it's so allergic to blue mold, it doesn't grow well in countries that have blue mold. 
In Peru, blue mold doesn't exist. Blue mold has never crossed the Andes. So you can grow Pelo de Oro by itself and it does well. But in, in Dominican Republic, in Central America, it exists. So when you cross it with an habano, then it's sun, it's gonna have a lot more resistance to the blue mold because now it has the genetics of an habano. And that's why habano is so predominant in the industry because it grows well, it's, it has great yield. Farmers love it. it, it grows big, it has great yield, you're gonna make more money. And that's one of the reasons why we have it so predominantly in the industry. Well, I gotta say, that was a perfect uh, lead into what I wanted to follow up with here, Jordan, because uh, you know, you, you, you spoke to seed selection, and we talked about that in the Corojo uh, episodes, that Corojo uh, was originally, um, you know, in the Santines uh, uh, del Corojo by Diego Rodriguez, it, it was developed by seed selection, just like you said, it's, there's no crossbreeding or anything, it's just continuously pulling the seeds from that stronger plant and it ended up developing its own kind of character that was differentiated from Criollo. That being said, I've also read that Habano is a, a wrapper that is very easily crossbred and, and uses different, um, different genetics to develop these kind of sub uh, varietals, if you will. I noticed that you guys refer to the wrapper on this cigar, which is notably darker than uh, many other Habanos that I've seen. And you refer to this as the Ecuadorian Habano Marón Oscuro. And, uh, you know, so often we see uh, names like that. And, you know, a lot of times maybe it's just a simple selection, uh, you know, of the color of wrapper that's done in the selection houses. Um, sometimes I assume that some of that's just marketing and it's really has no distinguished differentiation. Uh, what can you tell us about Marona Scuro and how, how you guys identify that and differentiate from a standard Habano leaf? So here I have also the Winston Churchill original collection. This is also an Habano type, but it's marron, just normal brown in this case. Uh, and this one is your marron oscuro. So you can see the, the different shades of color. When you are looking for shades of color, they're actually the, the same variety. They are exactly the same, but what we're doing is a, a color selection. And what we're normally going to be getting is we're gonna be grabbing the the tobacco leaves that are higher up in the primings. Tobaccos higher up tend to be thicker, they tend to be darker. And then in color selection, you can also uh, point them out. Normally a tobacco that is darker, that is thicker, higher up in the priming has more oils. So even though the stimulation is gonna be the same, uh, that sweet, bitter stimulation, uh, very generically said, is it's just gonna be more enhanced when it's darker and it's more oily. And side by side, a lot of times, if you have exactly the same blend, I mean, 100% exactly the same blend inside, the same binder, and then you just put a darker wrapper on it, there's not gonna be too much of a differentiation, but you are going to notice a little sweeter, a little bit more intensity. Uh, but in this case, it's not just the blend, it's not exactly the same, the blend is also different. But there's all, obviously there's that whole talk about darker wrappers have more flavor and everything. And that's a whole nother hole that we can go into. But, <laughs> um, but uh, in general, uh, the, the, the color of the wrapper doesn't have that much influence. It's really, everything you have to account for everything inside also what you're putting inside how wide the ring gauge is and all these other factors are going to influence the blend but but Klaus, the darker the wrapper the stronger the cigar come on <laughs> <laughs> like that's a rule yes yes but same not with 
beer. The darker the beer, the stronger the beer is. Come <laughs> on, man. <laughs> of course, I'm 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 being silly. And uh, Klaus, you, uh, I brought this up earlier, and you've solidified it. Season three is uh, Flavor Odyssey, <laughs> starring Klaus. That's, uh, I'm, I'm, Eric and Jordan will be in touch with you about the. Uh, the 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 uh, the details of the season, but uh, I've I've already made my mind up. This has been uh, no, this has been this has been great, man. I, I I love your honesty talking about you know your particular product uh, that uh, that Davidoff and and uh, and Camacho produce and and um, just the wealth of knowledge that you have. I mean, you've grown up in this. This has been your life. I would assume since you can remember. Yes, you, you, you don't remember a time without tobacco in your life, I assume. So yes. that's and that's I mean, I think I'm jealous of that. I'll, I'll speak for myself. <laughs> I would imagine that the, the rest of our, our viewing audiences as well. Let's uh, let's check in on our pairings. We're, mm -hmm. we're getting close to uh, kind of our, our, our cutoff time here. Um, I'm going to speak uh, on mine first. Uh, just a reminder, I went went with the McClellan Classic Cut. Uh, this is a uh, cask strength. Uh, from 2017 Highland Scotch, um, and I think uh, the the Dalmore is a, a Highland Scotch as well. The flavor profile of Highland Scotch uh, with this particular cigar, I'm gonna assume that maybe the the Scotch that you're using to barrel age might be a Highland Scotch. I don't know. <laughs> this seems to match up really, really well. This is it's cast strength, so this is a big boy. Scotch. It's not super. It's not peated at all. So there's not that smoky aspect of it. A lot of oak. You're getting a lot of spice from that Oloroso sherry cask, which oh, I love Oloroso sherry casks. But uh, it's this pairing for me, top notch. I, it, I'm I'm really glad that this uh, bottle ended up in my uh, in my bar. This for me is a very 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 enthusiastic uh, thumbs up. Randy, how is your pairing working out for you? I imagine. With what you're working with, this is probably a pretty good pairing for you as well. Yeah, well, you know, as, as we've talked through, and we haven't spoke uh, a ton about the exact flavor elements that we're picking up from the cigar, but, you know, we've mentioned uh, spiciness, especially in the retrohale, um, and, and the the complexity of sweetness. I think it's too simple to say there's a, a rich caramel note to this. I think there's, there's honey uh, in there, too. There's honey. Exa exactly, yeah. No, I'm, like I'm picking up. comb almost. Right. It's, there's, it, but, it, but it intensified. It's not just like honey can, when we talk about beer, honey can be fermented out where you, you don't really mm, necessarily sure. taste it. But it, this, there's a honey aspect to this that is, that almost supersedes that, at least for me, uh, that I'm, maybe I'm, I'm a little bit uh, uh, focused on it, but I, it was one of the things that I get the first few puffs of the cigar. There's that honey aspect. I, I always talk about it like a, like an earthy kind of sweetness and a honey I, for me, a earthy sweetness is kind of like a sugar cane or a honey. Honey is a bit brighter, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and there's just a really, really nice, bright, I don't want to say syrupy because that's overstating it, yeah, but yeah. Uh, honey sweetness in here, that earthiness is 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 super um, linear to use uh, Kloss's word across the board. And then you, you, get, you get some wood notes and some things like that. This cigar has a ton, a ton of flavor, layers, layers, layers of flavor. 
Well, you can tell that Rob's really excited about the pairing because he's trying to go for me now, too. I'm fired up. Everybody's thumbs up. Let's end the show right now. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're just going to go ahead and do the, do the voting. Uh, no, I, I, I agree. Well, well, you stole my, my, uh, my uh, show time there. I, I totally agree with you. I think that, uh, that, that syrupy would be overstating it. I think syrupy or a molasses character would be over-the-top rich. This is a brighter sweetness that's not heavy on the palate. It doesn't linger sweet. Um, it has a very nice, uplifting sweetness that uh, I think is balanced very well by the uh, by the kind of black pepper uh, spice character. The scotch that I'm smoking, also non-peated, I, I get no smoke character, has a very nice, rich uh, caramel sweetness as well. Again, not cloyingly so. Uh, mine is... And this is a magical pairing that I've got in front of me here. This really feels like uh, a direct extension of a lot of the flavors that I'm getting from the cigar and, and the glass. I, I almost can't even differentiate on the palate. They, they're, they're melding so perfectly uh, well together. Uh, so intensity-wise, flavor hook uh, is absolutely on lock with that rich uh, and sweet and woody character. Um, this is an, also an enthusiastic thumbs up for me. Um, we, we can just end season two right now and get to talking about season three, because I think we just found the perfect pairing. So we're, so we, we have made a scotch drinker of Randy. That is, uh, that's maybe that's, that's part of season three as well. Uh, Klaus, I want to, I want to go to you next because you had several different options. We talked about the Aberfeldy was maybe a little bit too light. The Jura had a nice a brininess. I think that brininess is, is one thing that's missing from this Macallan that I think might act as almost a palate cleanser in a way. Um, but tell me about the, the Dalmore, because we haven't talked about those yet, and you had a couple of them. Yeah, so I ha we have the 18, like I was saying, uh, which is uh, American White Oak. And the Dalmore Cigar Malt is actually quite interesting. You were mentioning that you love the sherry cast. Uh, mm. This was, uh, let me read it so I don't get it wrong. Initially uh, aged in American White Oak ex-bourbon cast, and then in Matusalem Oloroso sherry cast. Yes. And it's uh, finessed in a Cabernet Sauvignon wine barrique. Oh, that's beautiful. So, I have yeah. not had that expression. That sounds phenomenal. It's, I'll tell you that. It, uh, the person that makes them, uh, Richard Patterson, their their master uh, blender in in the Dalmore, he he's a cigar enthusiast and he's made several expressions of the cigar malt. And uh, I, I tend to think, I tried to put myself in his mind, like what was he thinking when he was making this whiskey because he wanted to pair with his cigars. And something I noticed is that the, the whiskey is very spicy and very sweet. Uh, almost molassy. That sherry cast definitely adds a lot of sweetness on the lips. And I can imagine that he smokes predominantly Cuban, being in Europe. And a lot of these Cubans have a lot of woody character. So he's almost trying to counterbalance that strength profile. And he's making a whiskey that is much more forward. Uh, it's more, it's also in the front like Aberfeldy, but it's much more pronounced, a lot more powerful. Uh, in, the, in regards to intensity, the cigar malt definitely matches the cigar, but I'm still missing a little bit of that woodiness that I, that I, that I want a balance in the back. And that's why I think that maybe the 18 matches better with the, with the, with the late hour because it's not as spicy, it's not as sweet. It almost, the spiciness in the cigar malt uh, I think overpowers a little bit. I would put the cigar malt with Yamasa. A Yamasa, that sweet and spice. Uh, yes. Yamasa or Escurio, that sweet and spice of Escurio will match very, very well with the cigar malt, in my opinion. And the uh, the 18-year and the Yura, it's like a tie almost. I don't know which one matches better. 
it's between the Jura and the 18 that have this woody characteristic in the back that balances out that sweetness and definitely uh, matches better in my opinion. And it's, I mean, I got to be careful because I'm driving home after this. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we 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 uh, we we definitely uh, pride ourselves respons be responsible <laughs> drinkers. Uh, everything in moderation, class. So uh, you're an adult; you can make these decisions on your own. But uh, we we trust you to do so. That is, uh, it, it it sounds like you kind of went in the right order. You weren't sure which way to go, but it sounds like you kind of uh, you kind of figured it out. Yeah, I mean, normally I, I, I pride myself in letting the last one be like the one I, I want, but it was right in the middle. Yeah. It was between the Jura and, and, the, and the 18 that, that, I, that I think match better in this case, because I'm trying to draw out those chocolate notes from the cigar and those wooden notes from the cigar. And I think these two did better at drawing out those notes, uh, where the other ones almost was the other two, Aberfeldy and the Cigar Malt, were almost like fighting these chocolate notes that I was. Uh, that I wanted to draw out from the cigar. That's interesting when you talk about chocolate notes specifically. I, I'm not getting a ton of that, so maybe I'm, I'm the scotch that I'm drinking might be overrunning a little, overrunning this the, the uh, chocolate side of things, maybe a little bit. Um, but because uh, you, you know the blend obviously better than I do, of course, uh, because you you had you had your hands in that blend. I didn't, but uh, I, I get to enjoy it none, uh, all the same. But uh, that is one thing I think that maybe getting is getting overrun a little bit. There is one specific scotch that I wanted to try uh, and pair with this, one of my favorites, the Akintosh and Three Wood. And I think that maybe that's it's aged in uh, three different uh, specific casks. And I don't want to get into it because I don't know exactly which ones they are. But I know it's finished in sherry cask, Oloroso sherry cask, I believe. And I think that might have uh, maybe with uh, the different oaks that they were using might have brought out a little bit more of that. Uh, let's jump back to our boys in Colorado. I think I know the answer, but I'm curious how this pairing has gone for you boys. You're, you're on a roll. Just go for them, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, I can tell you what they think. I can I'll let, tell you what I'll they let think. Jordan this, go first. And then the uh... scotch that they're drinking is so far out of their wheelhouse. And I, I, this is, this isn't a negative on anybody or anything. It's just, it's so different than what you're used to that I, th I think that this pairing might not have worked perfectly well with this cigar. I wouldn't have, I, I actually avoided uh, heavily uh, peated scotches. I have the exact scotch that you're drinking uh, in my in my cabinet and I avoided it specifically, but I'm curious to see what you all think. Uh, yeah, it's, it's way, way too smoky. I mean, the, the scotch just completely overpowers the cigar in that respect. The cigar's intensity is, is actually much stronger than the, than the scotch. Because uh, the scotch is 86 proof, it's pretty weak. But um, I'd say there's a it's a flavor hook with oak. Um, that I mean, the cigar is one of my favorite Davidoff cigars. It's amazing the complexity of the. There's some creaminess. There's the honey sweetness like you talked about. You get oak. You get cabinet spices. Now in the end, it's kind of like mostly like red pepper. Um, yeah. Going on. Yeah. Uh, cigar is fantastic. Don't like the whiskey. Sorry. Yeah, I would say now I, I'm going to differ a little bit with Jordan on this because I think that the smokiness and it adds to this this experience between the two. So I'm really I'm enjoying it, and I'm an, I'm a bourbon guy, so I I would much prefer 100%. this with a bourbon because uh, I think it would add the sweetness that I want in here to kind of bring some of that out. But this does match well, anyways. I would still go thumbs up. I mean, this is a pinkies out, you know classic pairing and uh, kind of like when we did the mo mojito recently like that's just a classic pairing as well 
But I, I think that this goes well, and I'm not even a Scotch guy, so I'm enjoying it greatly. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Eric, we'll probably get into some bourbon maybe later in the Habano um, uh, part of the show uh, moving forward. So uh, your your prayers may be answered. But I think that uh, I know we were, we had initially talked about bourbon, and I think, Klaus, you kind of pushed a little bit towards the Scotch side of things. I think that uh, Highland Scotches at least from what uh, from where I'm sitting with uh, doing a little bit of research on it, uh, pair really, really nicely. Um, this has been a ton of fun. Klaus, we will be in touch with you about season three. I'm not kidding. I'm going to make sure that Eric, put, Eric crafts a very well-worded email to convince you to, uh, to be part of us with uh, season three because that, that episode where we start uh, in South America, work our way up in two different directions sounds fantastic. Uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for taking the time and uh, and and the candidness of your answers. I really appreciate it. If, as long as you guys make a, another cool promotion with a floating head of mine, then <laughs> <laughs> how cool was that picture? You had the hat and the sunglasses, and I'm just looking at you like you have so much more style than me. It's just <laughs> yeah. I mean, we 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 this was all set up. Don't don't be don't don't get it confused. We set this all up on purpose. You will be the star of season three. Uh, now I've said it like seven times. Now we have to make it happen. Eric, <laughs> do, we have, do we have enough in the budget to get Klaus uh, on to season three? He's just replacing Randy, right? I'll, yeah, I'll work on that. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. Randy is an in integral part of the show. Come on. I, I want to add something. Uh, something before we finish please. it. Just for our, our, our friends in Colorado. Um, uh, when I uh, enjoy whiskeys that are very peated, um, I don't know if you guys did this, but I like definitely adding a couple drops of water or uh, in, in, especially in cases that I find that the whiskey that is heavily peated uh, completely overpowers my cigar, uh, even ice um, or, or just larger quantity of water to just tone down a little bit of that peatiness. Uh, I am not a big fan of pairing cigars with peaty, with peaty whiskeys because they tend to overpower my cigar in many cases. Uh, a, a late hour definitely has the ability to fight against the peatiness so it, it can work but it try it with a couple of drops of water it might open it up a little bit make it a little bit more those floral aromas might come out a little bit more and reduce the amount of peatiness and you might be able to find a better pairing in that and as you have seen I, I did my own experiment i didn't really know what was what from what i had i didn't really know which one was going to work the best but that's how you find your perfect pairing it's it's an, ex, an, ex, an experiment and it's an adventure where you are just having fun and having a cigar and then you are tasting different things if you have the luxury of tasting a, a lot of things at once and you're careful of course drinking that's, that's drinking. good advice good yeah. advice Absolutely. Uh, yeah dare, dare i say it's a bit of an odyssey odyssey <laughs> nicely done randy actually a after that little part i think Klaus might overshine us in season three so maybe eric cancel that email <laughs> and we'll move forward no Klaus, this has been a an absolute and complete pleasure. Thank you so much for being generous with your time uh, and your answers uh, to all of our questions. We really do appreciate it. So, so, so much fun. It's my pleasure, always, guys. And thank you for producing phenomenal cigars. I've never actually said this on air anywhere. Like, if I had oh, to go, like, people always talk about, like, your, your Desert Island cigars. Like, if I had to go with one particular brand, it would probably be Davidoff. If I could only smoke one brand, and I've never actually said that, but Davidoff to me hits so many different levels of what I find enjoyable in cigars. So uh, what you all have been doing 
you know, through your, through your life and, and, uh, and, you know, your family, uh, you guys have been crushing it obviously. And you're dealing with European palates and American palates. And that's a whole, that's a show in and of itself right there is the, the European palate and the American palate. And that's the bulk of, uh, of, of your sales. I would imagine that would actually be a fun conversation. Um, but, uh, anyway, appreciate you taking the time. Thanks to everybody who tuned in. We really appreciate y'all, uh, checking out on Facebook. But before you just oh, uh, up and sign off, we, yeah, yeah, we, we, we do have a couple of uh, housekeeping things to take oh, care please of. Please do. Thank you. I, I, uh, I oversaw. <laughs> uh, so uh, please join us as we continue. The next three shows will continue to, to pair with Habano Wrapped Cigars. Next week, we will be featuring the Herrera Esteli by Drew Estate. We will follow that up with the My Father the original cigar, and we will finish up Havana Leaf with the Casa Cuevas, uh, once limited edition, I believe, now announced uh, a regular production, La Mandaria. And uh, stay tuned as Rob or I will be doing live shows to talk uh, a little bit about the pairings <laughs> as we go through those cigars. Uh, Eric, uh, we're getting close to the end of your hiatus of uh, Smoke Night Live. Do you have an update on uh, what's going on? I I actually didn't take the hiatus. Uh, last week we had a show and uh, we had uh, Rafael Nodal on, and then this week we're gonna have a show. It's uh, Luis and Alec Cuevas of Casa Cuevas, so that's kind of oh, beautiful. So they'll be on the show, and then after that we're gonna have the uh, the Bourbon Junkies on, and that's a couple weeks from now, so that'll be fun as well. So my hiatus it, it disappeared rapidly, it evaporated, <laughs> and it didn't happen. It didn't happen. So let's so, see uh, pairing next week so, with yeah. the Herrera's Elite. Uh, uh, I, I will get back to you on Monday live. on that one. I will be doing a live. I'm going to take oh. over. I got some new really cool video equipment. I got myself a gimbal and some lighting and uh, a shotgun mic. So I'll, I'll be taking over uh, some uh, live duties uh, and ease the load off of Rob coming up. So stay tuned on Monday to the Cigar Dojo Facebook page. and We'll be producing a, a quick little uh, update on what the pairing will be for next week. Excellent. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right, Rob, take it away. Randy, thank you for doing that. My lovely wife and I will be on vacation on Monday, uh, celebrating our 10th anniversary. So thank you uh, for uh, for taking uh, the the live duties away from me on Monday. That's fantastic. We actually went and picked up a backpack to put our dog in to take her on hikes. <laughs> and I under believe me, I understand what that sounds like. Ruby's 15 years old. She has four teeth. Aww. She has a hard time walking from the, the, the bedroom to the kitchen. So I'm not taking her on a four-mile hike unless I can put her in my backpack uh, and with a ton of treats. So um, she runs the show at this point. Uh, <laughs> she runs the show. So I uh, appreciate you all taking that on. Klaus, again, I can't say enough. Uh, this was a great episode. Really, really enjoyed it. I, you took all the pressure off of me. I was totally unprepared for the show, but you just came in and just made it super, super simple. Really appreciate it. We'll see you all next week. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Everybody be kind to each other. It doesn't cost you anything. And we will see you next Wednesday as the Odyssey continues. Thank you.
Thank you.